welcome to Today in Space. I am your space science podcast host from the East Coast, Alex G. Arfanos. And today we are back for another segment of People of Science, where we talk to people with STEM backgrounds who work in STEM, worked in STEM. Their passion comes from the STEM background, and we talk about their origin story. And this week, we're very lucky to have James Menard on the podcast, uh, the Cosmic Companion podcast. Uh, this is the first uh, space or science podcast uh, person that we've had on the podcast. So, James, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me here, Alex. It's really wonderful. It's great to have you here. I would love for you to give the folks a little bit of uh, uh, brief about you and who you are, what what you do. And then we'll dive into your STEM origin story, if you don't mind. Sure. I have dedicated my professional life to tearing down barriers to science education. I want to make science education available to everyone. And I want to tear down the barriers of understanding. I want to tear down the barriers of cost. I want to tear down the barriers of interest, and I want to create systems for the 21st century mm. that bring science education to people, even if they don't know they want to learn. Love that. Powerful. Thank you. That's amazing. I, I love that mission statement. Uh, how, how's it going? This is a crazy time for that uh breakdown of traditional oh. education oh my goodness it's so crazy and it's so wonderful i mean all the new technologies that are coming out now and i mean we are really witnessing a birth ai i think is the birth we're seeing now of ai i think is gonna be possibly even larger than the introduction of the internet yeah it's impact on our race yeah, this year, this 2023. So this will be our first episode of 2023. So this is like perfect because AI is one of the things in our 2020 review that I really want to break down in 2023 it to, you know, take the complex of it and try and give it as like a practical, like, what is it doing today? And what could it change for you tomorrow? And, and in, you know, even the next year? Absolutely. Is there anything right now that that excites you that's that people should pay attention to or they might have already heard of? Oh man, I mean, is there is there anything happening now that doesn't excite me? I think <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a much shorter list. I mean, I love love the idea and the concepts uh, and the opportunities provided by um, by think by. Uh, text to photos as well yeah. as text uh, to larger, more text. I mean, like yeah. chat GPT. Mm -hmm. You know, that is just remarkable. Mm -hmm. And the opportunities for that are just unknown at this point, you know. Um, you know, I, I remember... Um, and of course, I'm going to say, I'm going to start off by saying I don't remember. But I believe it was a Faraday, uh, you know, who was asked by the Queen at his time, you know, of what use is electricity. Mm. And he's reported to have said, 
madam, of what use is a newborn baby? But the power of AI when combined with 3D environments, with metaverses, social networking, um, with yep. blockchain. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the it's like the you know it's like the world's largest tinker toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think people have a, a hard time, and and myself included. I'm I'm no by no means an, an expert, but I've definitely been paying attention to it. I kind of grasp some of the concepts, and you know, with making content online, automation and and taking the workload off yourself is huge. And being able to do more, be more creative. That's kind of how I see the, that's the value I'm looking for in AI for myself is how does it free me up to be more creative uh, yes. or, or do the things that I really want to be focusing on uh, kind of like in a, in a Star Trek model, like Star Trek is the era after the automation and the systems have kind of done most of the work for us. Everyday jobs don't matter anymore and you can focus on being the best human being. And I, that gap between now and then, I don't think most people are even thinking about. And so it's scary. And so the one thing that I hope to do here on the podcast is like not make this stuff magic. So if there's a topic that's starting to sound like magic, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the engineering, the science, and make it mm -hmm. something that you can understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important in you know so many things. And I think a lot of people's reticence towards science can be traced to them thinking it's magic. Yeah. You know, they hear, you know, some story comes out about a planet which isn't horrible, <laughs> you know, an exoplanet, you know, which might have a few things going for it as far as, you know, life is concerned and then that gets reprinted into um you know popular um newspaper articles saying mm -hmm. habitable planet found 40 light years away you know and then when you know when they when someone comes along and says hey look you know habitable habitable is is relative here yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know i think what can happen and that like probably isn't you know there's not you know big flying saucers coming from there he'd break it to you right. guys right um then people like many people too many people think oh wow this is science changing its mind mm. which which is and can be one of the most powerful aspects of science yeah but when it's miss but when what is being said is misunderstood it can be perceived by a lot of people as seeming like magic yeah. and then when it's disproven then then many far too many people see scientists as charlatans right and i think that's a real danger right there absolutely and i think i think that's part of what uh, i'll speak for myself but i'm, I'm going to guess for for yourself as well is you mm. know being a person that will actually communicate that and and break it down because not to any scientist's fault that, you know, I could definitely see people were doing science and engineering and then there were other people that were communicating it. They weren't necessarily, they probably weren't for a long time scientifically minded folks or people that cared about 
the nuance of using one word or the other. Um, so it's it's a situation we find ourselves in that's accelerating quickly because of how fast stuff moves on the internet, and mm -hmm. you know if 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 we don't pick up that mantle, no one's gonna do it. It's just gonna keep filtering into you know clickbait articles and stuff like that, and we'll lose the actual information. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so you see AI as a way to combat that type of thing? Because I, I think a lot of folks would might look at that and think, oh, it's going to be more of the same. I think there's, I think it's probably a two-edged sword. I mean, yeah, I think it couldn't be used responsibly or irresponsibly. I love that. Yeah, you know, if you're, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of media organizations, you know, firing their $15 an hour, you know, writers in order to right. have everything written by ai yeah but it can also be used in by writers to like you said to become more creative mm. and to be used within larger projects like all right like right now um i'm working on the uh episode of the show of the cosmic companion uh which talks about what space habitations may look like in the future when we're then comfortably there for a while mm. there are plants on our on the tables there right. are pictures hanging on the wall there's mm. a cat licking itself in the fireplace you know? yeah yeah <laughs> you know and, e and even within that um you know i have you know like a someone talking on a video conversation that video call was simulated by having one AI create a character looking like she was on a video call, mm. put feeding that into a different AI that animated it a little bit. Wow. That I then imported into uh, Second Life, which is a 3D environment <laughs> creator. That's awesome. And formed that into the video screen of a wow. of a terminal within this virtual uh spaceship and created a video of that and then placed myself into it <laughs> that's awesome yeah so i mean so ai can definitely be used mm. beyond what it initially puts out and i think that's the real power of it thanks to our sponsor manscaped we have the best tools to offer for either yourself or if you're buying a gift for somebody else manscaped has everything that you need whether it's getting the platinum package 4.0 it has loads of little presents perfect for stocking stuffers what's better than the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs manscaped offers a handful of their liquid formulation shampoos body washes upstairs and downstairs deodorant, gels, exfoliants, absolutely everything that they could need to keep it clean. And again, one of the things we love about Manscaped is that it makes manscaping and men's hygiene so much simpler. I mean, you can just check right here. My beard had gotten pretty crazy. I uh, had been sick. Been, the holidays just let it grow, and it got pretty wild. But I was able to tame the beast with the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. Not only do they give you the tools that you need, they help make the experience of men's grooming easier and simpler so that you don't have to overthink it. You can just grab your gear and go. 
But there's also things like the Shears 2.0 if you're looking for a full kit for nail care with scissors, clippers, tweezers, and a file for the traveling man. There is the new Persevere Cologne, which is brings a light, breezy, woodsy feel and gives that fresh tree scent even after the holidays are over. They also have come out with their body buffer, which if you're still using a loofah that holds all that bacteria, gross! You can throw that out and get this new body scrubber, the body buffer, that feels smoother and acts tougher. And then of course, like we talked about before, the Lawnmower 4.0 is my go-to. It is the electric razor with advanced skin-safe technology. It's a life changer and known for reducing nicks and cuts. Manscaped is here to make holiday shopping a blast by giving products that they'll love and make them laugh at the same time. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SPACE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code SPACE and Manscaped is the perfect gift that will be the holiday's biggest hit. So thank you, Manscaped, for being a sponsor. Really appreciate the partnership we have with them and makes a great gift for the man in your life. Might even be you. (laughs) It's okay to take care of yourself. So manscaped.com, 20% off free worldwide shipping, co-word space. Let's get back to the show. I love that. And I want to I want to get back to AI. We went off at a bit of a tangent, but I, I want folks to learn a little bit more about your background now that we've we've talked about some pretty interesting stuff. Um hmm. let, let's go back to your STEM origin story. Where did the passion for you to want to break down science education like what started the path for you to get to where you are today? Wow. Okay. Um you know, honestly, I don't remember ever not having a passion for STEM and for STEAM. And um, my ghost actually goes starts starts a few years before I was born. And my my dad was an electronics genius. I mean, he could, you know, he was like a professor from Gilligan's Island. This guy could, nice. you know, take two turtle shells and a piece from the radio and build a nuclear reactor out of the thing. <laughs> Okay. And, but he couldn't manage people well. And so he got a cut. He was an independent contractor and he got a contract to design a bunch of power supplies, electronics for the Apollo project. Mm. So he had to hire a lot of people quickly. This meant that he had to have hire someone to supervise those people. Mm. Well, he found this woman, uh, Jean, and she had was just coming off the Redstone project, which had recently oh, ended. And um, so they met, fell in love, built a whole mess of electronics for the shuttle. They actually got both of their names. They signed both their names inside of the power supply oh. of the base of the LEM of Apollo 11. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So they were one of the first people to have their names on the moon. So oh. it was totally undercover they, they weren't supposed to do that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there and, were a few of those <laughs> yeah yeah and um and so i just grew up around around the space program around science and um what's interesting i was thinking about this recently is that i do not ever once remember my father saying Let's sit down and learn this. Let's mm. sit down and study how blank works. Right. 
But what he did was it was experiential. Mm. We built radio controlled airplanes, for instance, cool. by the dozen. And because of that, I learned aerodynamics. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. best way to learn aerodynamics was by building airplanes that you could fly around the air or not. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you learned a lot. <laughs> you learned a lot, right. Um, and, you know, learned about propulsion and Newton's laws by building model rockets. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we always had a telescope that we took out all the time. And, you know, and so it was pretty, pretty amazing. And so I, so he was a huge influence on me and another huge influence on me as a young kid uh, was, in fact, Carl Sagan. Mm. And, you know, Cosmos came out when I was a little kid and... I just remember reading it and reading it and reading it over and over and over again. Yeah. So many times I wore out the binding to four hardcover <laughs> copies of the book. Wow. And, uh, and of course, the series came out, which was a huge hit. It was the first science series ever, you know, to become yeah. such a huge hit. Cosmos, the book, was the first science book ever to sell 500,000 copies. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, when I got older, I realized that what was so amazingly cool about Cosmos was that Carl Sagan was not sitting there saying, oh, well, you know, the, uh, the ground, the surface of Mars is approximately 25% iron oxide accounting right. for its reddish color, you know? Yeah. And he was he was using the greatest technology of his time which was television to bring people to mars yeah he would say come walk with me we're we're gonna you know screw yeah. across the the surface of the red planet mm -hmm. and walk up to the viking landers that's awesome you know yeah something which had really never been done before mm. And I am convinced that if Sagan were alive today, he would be enthralled by the idea of 3D environments, mm. metaverses, and expanding yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and that's really what, what I'm seeking to do is to, is to use these environments and these technologies to humanize science education tearing down another huge wall mm. another huge barrier to science education and literally and, in in some senses right literally metaphorically <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah well and it's such a great tool i mean so communicating science is a very different thing than learning science in yeah. some ways at least especially in the traditional sense like going to school to learn science does not necessarily mean that you can communicate it or that it's even communicated well to you, uh, which was some of my experience, <laughs> which mm -hmm. uh, definitely uh, is part of the reason why I, I podcast like I do now. Uh, but so that's an amazing background that it's, it's cool to think about your example seems very much like 
a great example of what happens if there is that scientific education available all the time and that it, it, it's mm. just a part of your daily experience how much we could all learn from just doing and and seeing what it does in real life sure sure <laughs> and you know and i hope that by um by breaking down you know some of these as many barriers as possible to science education by bringing by increasing the amount of knowledge that people have out there yeah um it's certainly gonna help um deal with i think a lot of the really important issues of, that we have in the world today um but more importantly it is not has in, it's not so important to learn facts mm. as it is to learn how to think critically mm. and is that... oh sorry um, go ahead. no go ahead. i was just going to say and i think that critical thinking is so you know is one of the most important skills that could be imparted on people today absolutely um do you think that's one of the barriers today that we need to almost refine and relearn? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and there are other ones too. I mean, I think one of the another interesting one is um, a lot of people have the impression that science is boring, mm. and I think that's that's a huge hurdle to be overcome. Mm. and you know i think it's so important to you know make science make science interesting yeah and enjoyable for people mm -hmm. you know totally uh too many people now i think have this impression that education is something you do from age six to age 18 or 22 or whatever right and then you forget about it after that yeah or yeah. that you know or it's something you do uh, just while you're in school, mm -hmm. right? You know, if you're currently going to school from, you know, three to seven, whatever. Um, but the thing is that, that if you think about kids, all right, kids are natural scientists. Mm. They don't think about, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to not, do this thing because i might learn something you know? right right yeah you know, they're digging out they're digging under rocks and mm -hmm. you know What's for the most do? part what is yeah this? and what is that? yeah yeah and that is also and asking questions and that's all science yeah you know that that oh, is and, learning and the science. w that almost never gets answered in traditional education is why and that's one of the questions that kids ask all the time well why why would you do that why that? That's, yeah. 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 And that is one of the most important questions anyone can ask. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, man, <laughs> I'm very glad that we get to talk. This is very cool. Um, yeah, one, one thing that I was reading up uh, that I heard you have a connection with uh, the March mm. for Science. Mm. You tell me a little bit about that. Mm. I, um, I'm going to have to remember the year of this now. Uh, I believe it was 2017. Hmm. Um, 
was a big March for Science, 400 odd March for Science events mm. around um, around the world. And um, at the time, <laughs> at the time I uh, was run, I owned a store, a geek store. So I sold uh, comic books and telescopes and fossils oh, and magic fast. cards. And yeah. I you know, would have magic tournaments. Oh, that's great. Weekly magic tournaments, weekly D&D sessions in my store. Awesome. <laughs> like, oh, I, oh, I got, oh yeah, I also uh, got a collection of uh, copyright-free sci-fi movies from the 50s and 60s and oh. would play those. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Every week. So, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so this is beginning of 2017, I believe. And I'd heard that there's just going to be a huge March for Science events. And mm. so I started looking, and the ones around me, I was in Brattleboro, Vermont at the time, mm. which for those who don't know is a town of about 12,000 people uh, located right about where Vermont, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire all meet. And, um, so I looked and one was, you know, hour and a half away from me in one direction. The other one next closest to me was three hours in the other direction. Mm. And I just thought, well, you know, if nobody's doing this here, I, I have to make this happen. Awesome. So, <laughs> so I, uh, I wound up like calling the organization and they actually connected me with Bill McKibben for God's sakes. Wow. So I got to like talk with like one of the greatest environmentalists of our age on the phone, you know, planning yeah. this event. And oh my goodness, it was so much fun. We invented, <laughs> I invited, um, invited all sorts of farmers and um, developers. I had um, a wildlife refuge come into the store, and they brought you know this huge hawk into this you know 700 square foot store <laughs> uh the place had a capacity of 45 people i think and there were over 400 people showed up that's awesome it was it was just it was just nuts and uh there was, you know, people giving away organic foods and videos and all it was, it was, a, it was a whole lot of fun and that's awesome you know raised a good amount of money for environmental causes that's great. Uh, so we we attended that uh, here in, in Boston uh, that mm -hmm. year and and the few years after that. Um, so it was it was a cool connection. Where I was like, oh, I know that. I wonder what the connection was. So so you you helped organize the one in Vermont. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And Met some interesting people. That's very cool. Yeah, that was great fun. It was a it's a, it's a really good it was a great experience. That's great. So tell us about uh, what you're doing now with Cosmic Companion and, you know, all these 3D environments that you're you're living in and teaching through. Sure. Um, I love the concept of app smashing. Mm -hmm. Taking things, creating things in one app, exporting them into another, turning them into something else, exporting them to a third app, building that, you know, and mm -hmm. creating all these things which couldn't exist if I were limiting myself to just one media or one um or one way of doing things. Yeah. And um and so we have a weekly show, The Cosmic Companion, 
uh, it's about a half hour show every week. Um, and I interview uh, some amazing scientists, authors, developers from around the globe. Mm. And that's available both in audio and video formats. And of course, you know, there's all sorts of extra jokes and Easter eggs and that sort of thing in, in the video. I, uh, the last episode created um, was a look at the year 2023 in astronomy. It was called Space 2023 and mm. did the whole beginning like a parody of Space 1999. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to it. I'll have to go back and watch it now. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And um and so and we've also developing um these 3D environments within Second Life, which like mm -hmm. I said is a um a metaverse and a 3D environment that people can go in. It's free to go in there, it's free to create. There are many free avatars mm. you can develop. You go in, you can walk around a moon base, walk around a media room and you know, developing a um, 3D interactive uh, environment of a lava planet, an exoplanet. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, walk around this exoplanet and learn about geology from a talking rock. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, and so I'm trying to merge these technologies along with AI and with uh, talking avatars and text to speech and, mm. you know, bringing in um, different ways, different ways of learning and different ways of creating mm. in an effort to make science fun and accessible to everyone. That's awesome. I, it's so cool to, one of the great things about this podcast is it helps me connect with folks like yourself and who have, all mm. their own ways of trying to like enjoy science, do science, communicate it, teach it. Like it's so cool to see everyone's technique. And what's interesting is it, it's the same thing that I think most people, if they're interested in STEM should or steam or whatever is just start with what you're, what excites you. Is there something exactly. that you, just like, you're like, I don't know what it is about that, but I really like it. Just go all in. Just mm -hmm. like see what you learn and then you pick something up else, something else up and you'll go from there. Like for, for your journey, like where did it start? I mean, you, your dad was teaching you electronics as you were younger. What was like your, um, did you go for school to school for something? Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell, tell um, us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, let's see. I actually started after high school. I was obsessed with, uh, obsessed with art and music. Mm for a while, which is why I've always loved, you know, steam, uh, is one of the reasons I loved the creativity and the intellectual exercise yeah. of, of music and art and acting and, mm. you know, and so, um, I, my first college I went to is actually Bennington college for her summer for mm. art. Nice. Um, and, um, but by my 20s, I had started to work in, I had started to manage a uh, science and nature store. Oh. You know, and just, a, you know, sold a lot of telescopes. Um, and I held uh, hundreds easily. 
of star parties for people oh. or like bring a bunch of telescopes out and you know i mean stars working for I had hundreds of telescopes so i bring you know six yeah. eight ten of them out that's awesome <laughs> you know out to a field somewhere and teach people about eclipses while one was going on you know that's so cool and uh and i started um writing my first astronomy column about that time for the local newspaper and that caught on with a couple of other newspapers and um and so i've worked in sciences in some different ways and then just as i was closing that up i entered college you know full-time matriculated you know mm. college for the first time and um i remember that because i was in the town of Keene, new hampshire best known for having a couple of scenes shot for uh jumanji uh, <laughs> um i um the college there only did not have an astronomy program. Hmm. So the closest I could come was either um, physics and mathematics or physics and chemistry. Hmm. And I'd heard things about the fantastic astronomy professor there. So I immediately started taking classes under him. <laughs> and, uh, and so one day he made in class, he made an artificial comet, which of course is you know, a dirty snowball, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he added, <laughs> you know, water ice and water and dry ice and ammonia and all this stuff and coal, you know, char oh, crushed sweet. up charcoal and, you know, mixed it all up. This yeah. thing started bubbling and boiling and, you know, sublimating, sending steam off everywhere. Yeah. And, and it just made this room smell awful. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, chemistry it is <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so i wound up uh, majoring in um physics and chemistry and i picked up a minor in history mm. um and um what's kind of fun is that i the school hired me pretty quickly to teach night classes mm. um in astronomy uh, explaining what had just been said in the astronomy class that day, oh, <laughs> <interesting>. you know, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, and it was just a different way of giving kids a different, giving kids different way of looking at things. Yeah, totally. You know, and, you know, like, instead of, you know, uh, saying, okay, well, this is Bean's law, and you know, here's the equation for it. And we see as this variable goes goes upwards, this one's going to tend down. Blah, blah 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 blah. And then I would, you know, come in at night and be like, "Okay, this is Bean's law. Have you ever seen metal stuck into a fire?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, just try to give kids a different yeah. way of looking at things. Totally. Yeah, and so that's really you must have been where a breath of fresh air for the administration <laughs> <laughs> um, and the kids taking the classes. Let's hope so, at least for some of them, right? Well, that's all you can hope for, <laughs> right? Right, and so that's really where I honed my skills at teaching, um, at bringing a more popular way of learning, let's say yeah uh to science education while teaching hmm. really really good science 
Um, and um, I, uh, let's see, I made, um, right after that, I spent years just writing thousands of science articles, mm. tens of thousands of science articles. I was churning out, you know, as moth level, you know, production <laughs> for a while, for, you know, years on end. Uh, and, um, and again, they were, you know, popular articles. And, and so, um, cool. and so Sharpening one day your teeth and your skills to communicate. Yeah. Different mediums. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then, uh, 2018, is that right? I believe it was 2018 or 2017, 2017. I decided, you know what, if I can write all these articles, science articles for other people i can write them for myself yeah so and then i started doing the same sort i came up with the name the cosmic companion you know starting at first it was all based on science and mm. uh science articles and about astronomy and medicine what have you and then um i was writing a story having to do with some professors at the university of arizona where mm -hmm. I live, I live in Tucson now. And they were so close to my house, I you know, emailed and said, hey, you know, I'm writing an article about your work. <laughs> you want to meet up and have lunch and, you know, nice. you know, and record and record some stuff. And so I wound up recording them. And then I thought, man, you know, this would be great for a podcast. And so then I started interviewing, you know, scientists and, um, and so that's how the podcast thing started. Mm. And then, of course, um, you know, the whole... And then I started getting into video because that was hot. Yep. And uh, it still <laughs> is. Um, yeah, more. And then, of course, this whole uh, little thing happened right around the beginning of 2020 called COVID. Yeah. And um, And so that just inspire me to just keep you know building the show and you know mm. working from home and making making the best show i can possibly make and use every talent and every technology i can lay my hands on i love it bring science to to the world that's so cool what a what a journey man i mean it, it's yeah, the 2018 and then how fast things have changed since then. I mean, I can't believe it's four, four full years uh, between. No, what's that for you? Three. Yeah, that's four, three. So yeah. crazy. It's crazy how much yeah. things have changed. And even just like this platform that we're recording on Zoom has changed yeah. so much. You know, audio is completely through this on the on this episode. It's, it's wild. Um, right. Yeah, no, and I, I branched out in the year of the pandemic doing interviews and, and speaking with people. This is uh it's been a really good learning experience um for you for for your process if you don't mind uh breaking into that a little bit oh, please. Um, is... i'd like to learn something about my process <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting because like i know everyone has their own creative process and i think it's interesting when someone who has a, a scientific you know let's play around with stuff and mess with stuff and you're also in the creative side, the full steam aspect, right? Like, are those the same? Are those, do you see them as separate? Do they work in tandem? Or is it just, this is, you just go into it and you kind of just work through it more in like a, 
like an ancient world, like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just the ether, right? Like, is it just working through you in a classical sense? Uh, you know, it used to depend more on the day, hmm. you know, like, especially when I was, you know, writing a lot, you know, for, for a long time, I was writing like five articles a day. That's a lot. That's a hell of a lot. Yeah. You're writing, you're drafting, you're editing, and then you're publishing yeah. it in five in a day. Wow. Well, well, I, I had an editor there, so, you know, I'd give it that's a once over and then shove it off for her, but that's it was still, still crazy. That's still a lot of work. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's hardcore. Right. And so, you know, I mean, there were times, and so that's a, that's a, that's a really good way to learn how to get over writer's block. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no choice. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you write something, you know yes. I mean? yeah. <laughs> And, um, and so I think that was a huge mm. lesson for me in like how to get over any sort of writer's block or anything like that is yeah. just put down something just mm -hmm. create something it may not be great it may not wind up in the final product yeah create hit the freaking type hit that freaking keyboard or yeah you know struck yeah. those paints or make those numbers do things on a whiteboard yeah. you know yeah totally and um so i think that's really important but i think what i do today is i i have both a combination of um of regularity and a segment of uh, an aspect of um improvisation mm. okay yeah like i i swear by whiteboards i have one two three four five at least five whiteboards just in view of me right now nice, nice. okay and um so one of them, I just have the days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I have mm. just a couple of things underneath each day. Mm. And if I get those couple of things done, the show's going to get made. You know, things are going to happen. Yeah. But it, but it also doesn't overwhelm me. So, you know, each day might have, you know, four hours of stuff on it. Right. So that when things go westward like they so often do <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know there's some buffer in there and mm -hmm. so like one of the days monday and tuesday is reserved for write, uh, writing the script for the shows on mm -hmm. those two days and so um like when i go to write the so i know that on mondays and tuesdays i'm going to be sitting there writing the script for the show mm. uh but i don't force myself to start off every at the same place every time, you know, right. And right. I get inspiration to write about the, maybe this first part of the show. Great. And then I'll waste some time, you know, writing out the, if you enjoyed this episode, please visit the yeah. Cosmic Companion. That, you know, there has to be in there for the teleprompter anyway, you know, yep. but, but for me, what works is this combination of regularity and improvisation. Yeah. I love that. I, I picked that up through listening to podcasts uh, that were um, a lot of stand-up comedy uh, and just yeah. like they don't prepare almost anything. So, right. uh, and, and I have a jazz music background. I was a jazz trumpet player. So the improv thing, I totally get that. Um, and it's interesting. I'm just learning 
this what you're talking about this I'm, I'm creating my own version of that uh as as you know i do this outside of my day job as an engineer so it's mm -hmm. uh it's cool i i i will have questions for sure if you don't mind feeling them but that's cool Please. to learn how where you've gotten to with this and that it's working that's that's awesome yeah, you know, what works for me might not necessarily work for others, you know. Absolutely. Individual results may vary. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's talk about 2022. Let's just like a quick review. What's some of the stuff that really excited you about um, the last year? Uh, in my own my for, yeah. work or from your lens or whatever yeah i guess because it's all science related in some way so um, space oh, would be great if you have any of those too oh, oh of course i mean you know <laughs> we just and of course you know christmas day 2021 just before 2022 started of course james webb space telescope launched perfectly launch. yep and We're that a French Guyana. that instrument has just been has just been amazing i think yeah it's it's just gonna do so much to spread knowledge of astronomy mm -hmm. and and love of science among people yeah. i think yes. that's one of one of its the... most vital vital mm -hmm. functions and i was a little concerned uh about the volume of data both in getting it but also processing it and releasing it but i think the team has done a great job at oh, giving us like a constant feed it's wild right right it's it's pretty amazing mm -hmm. and you know there are of course some you know lesser known um web pages where you can get you know a lot of the more rawer more yes. raw data <laughs> from uh you know from web so you know yeah. there's there's an awful lot out there for people to play with as well. And definitely and what I, you know, and of course, um, Artemis yeah. as well, the launch of Artemis one toward the end of the year, that was, that was incredible. Mm. And, you know, and I think that human spaceflight is one of the most important things that we can do yeah. as a society, you know, it um there's what's called um the overview effect yeah you know where almost everyone who goes into space suddenly sees our planet from you know up above where there are no national borders mm -hmm. you know there aren't wars you know largely visible or you know and it and it makes it gives people who go to space a um a feeling and a rec and a recognition of the unity of humanity yeah that you know we're all one species mm -hmm. and uh and i think as more people experience space it um uh, that feeling is going to permeate you know, permeate our species to a greater degree. And I think that could be a major, major shift in, in how we look at one another. Definitely. How, how does the, the, the private side of space with, let's say, Virgin Galactic 
and uh, Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin, like how, those those quick jumps past the Carmen line and back. What what do those bring to the table for human spaceflight, in your opinion? It's it, they have a purpose, mm. you know, and their purpose is going to be probably these, you know, low flight, you know, um, Earth to Earth mm. type things. Um, but um, if you look at it now, even Musk, all right, now SpaceX has not has never yet flown a human rated spacecraft more than 0.15% of the way to the moon. Mm. All right. Roughly one seventh of 1% <laughs> of the way to the moon and NASA just flew rings around it literally. Mm -hmm. All right. But these flights to low earth orbit to these orbiting hotels will provide a service and one of those services is going to be providing space flight to the ordinary person mm -hmm. you know yeah um, so, yeah know, it's not going to be a moon ticket unless you're lucky enough to go on like starship or something like that for dear moon right. it's not happening for the everyday person for a while probably not for a while no yeah no but of course, you know, once you get enough people, even in low Earth orbit, mm. leaving from low Earth orbit to the moon is much easier than yeah. taking off through all that thick atmosphere. True. Very you know, true. The whole, you know, the whole first stage of a rocket, typically, like, you know, you think about the Saturn V rocket. Yeah. You know, that whole first stage of it, for the most part. It's nothing but a gas tank yeah. to provide enough fuel for these five huge F1 engines, whatever, to yeah. lift that thing through the air. Yeah. You know, and it shucked off. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the solid rocket boosters on the shuttle provided the exact same service. Mm -hmm. They were the equivalent of that first stage. Right. You know? So if you can get enough people living in in Earth orbit for enough time, mm. then getting from there to the moon is much less of a jump than it is today. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we're going to have an interesting convergence where, you know, if that progress continues, which I really hope it does for low Earth orbit and these orbiting hotels and... I guess science parks um they will also be happening while Artemis is setting up the gateway and yes all the other highways for lack of a better word um it's great word. need thanks um for making this routine I think you know when we talk about the gap and it's been talked about for for many years but the gap between what we did for the Apollo program and what we need to do to make it regular is there's so much that needs to be done and, and made, but more importantly tested because, you know, if we don't put ourselves in that environment simulation only, it only goes so far. And to your point earlier about human spaceflight, if the humans aren't doing this, then it just doesn't have the oomph or the, the why or the meaning for, the amount of money that it costs to do it and the time and 
and sacrifice that it takes to do it. Space is hard, you know, and there's a lot of sacrifice to, to making that happen, financial, personal, and there's, you know, there's already, you know, been 22, 23 people who have died in space, you know, counting mm. Apollo 1. And, right. um, but the opportunities that that provides are incredible, okay? Imagine we're now living 150 years from now, okay? Uh, 2173. Now, there's a seven-year-old girl living on Mars, all right? Neither she nor her parents have ever one step on the face of earth crazy you know her great grandparents came to the red planet that is pretty cool <laughs> you know all right so now you know she hears talk among the adults of some border skirmish on you know between two countries on earth or mm. you know a Oh, Uber, I love... Twitter feud, yes. whatever it is those days, right? Yep. What what is that? What is that gonna matter to her? Yeah. Nothing. Border skirmish is the best way you could have described that. I love that. It's it's yeah. foreign enough of a description that I, I had to think for a second. It's like, oh yeah, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean, you know, back in sixty three, is that right? Uh, you know, China and of the Soviet Union had a series of border skirmishes which left a few hundred people dead mm. um, and nearly led to a nuclear war between the two. Um, and most people don't know of it because it was overshadowed yeah. by the Cuban Missile Crisis, which happened around the same oh, time. Wow, that was all at the same time. Roughly, That's yeah, crazy. within a few months. And... Um, so my question is, you know, you're, you know, think about this, you know, seven-year-old girl, 150 years from now, all right? The, the uh, 3D, the, the building she's living was created by, you know, 3D printers, you know, mm -hmm. developed, let's say, by the United States. And the air filters are from the Chinese and the water filters are supplied by Russians and Whose yeah. side, you know, whose side is anyone going to take in that? Would you rather live without your water or without your air? Right. Right. You know, you're you're going to play that fine line right down the middle. And it's only that interdependence that could really bring about the end of nationalism. Mm. I love that. Yeah. The International Space Station is a great example yes. of even when everything goes haywire here on the planet we still had everyone well china's not involved in that scenario but the, no. at least the the parties against each other the u.s and russia being and the european agency folks but like you had them all working together still there was still an example somewhere of us all <laughs> working together and it's to think about what it would have been like even without that tiny example almost to have as the floodgates of just war and going against each other. I, I think it's beautiful. It's definitely not the great time, especially with the Soyuz having the issue it has currently and us not having a return vehicle. Um, 
But all that being said, we're still working together up there. Right. Right. And, you know, and, um, you know, the Russians have talked about, you know, pulling out of the ISS and then they were not going to, and then they were going to, and, <laughs> um, you know, I've actually read English translations of, um, some of the meetings between Roscosmos and Vladimir Putin mm. and Putin has no vision about mm. space whatsoever, mm. you know, um, you know, they would be saying, you know, oh, we have these plans for Lunar 25 to return to the moon and pick up samples and do this. And they do you have any questions? Yep. Mm. Well, you know, oh, we're working on this other project as well. We'd like to explore Venus. We'd like to, do you have any questions? Yet. <laughs> it just yeah. goes like this for like pages upon pages. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, one of the problems that we're facing, I think in most countries are leaders with a real lack of vision, mm. uh, especially when it comes to science and mm. uh, a new future for the human race. Yeah, the the lack of scientific understanding. Never mind, like you were saying, like the vision. Vision would be fantastic, but even understanding would be great as well. Or, or councils to inform and and you know wanting to get informed on the latest would be great but uh yeah would love more of that from our leaders all around hmm. but now this is really cool now we talked about when I mean, we just talked about how space exploration and living on other worlds is likely to end and nationalism and hmm. all right and in re and what's going to also happen is that um, <clears throat> currencies, mm. mores, and um, the social obligations, many social obligations that we adhere to today, are going to disappear. Mm. All right, because people are just going to be literally too far removed from it. Yeah. And space is extremely hard, and everybody's going to have to have a choice between getting along or dying. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is likely to start happening in the next few decades. Mm. All right. We've already had a permanent habitation aboard the International Space Station for 22 years. Yep. Consistently manned or consistently crewed. crewed. Right. Say, yeah. Right. And um, and that should only increase. Yeah. Um, and now, so we're going to have this huge shift, this huge paradigm shift happening, starting mm. in just a few decades. And right around the same time, we are likely to find the first evidence of life on other worlds. Mm. All right. Uh, the James Webb Telescope started examining the TRAPPIST-1 system in its yeah. first week of observations. Yeah. NASA knows to look carefully at TRAPPIST-1. They are dedicating themselves to studying the seven planets in that system to such a degree that one-eighth, one-twelfth and a half percent of all time uh, scheduled for web mm. is scheduled to look at just these seven planets. That's awesome. I'm so happy right. to hear that. Yeah. 
And what they can do now is you look for light that's come through the atmosphere from a star through the atmosphere of an exoplanet. And you break that light up into its spectrum of colors. Mm. And you can tell, you know, through spectroscopy where what chemicals were in that atmosphere. Yeah. And, uh, and some chemicals just shouldn't be there. There should yeah. not be as much oxygen in our atmosphere as there is. There should not be as much methane. And when we look and see excesses of those chemicals, they give us an they can give us an idea that that's not an equilibrium. Something's whacking that out, you know, and it could be some geological process. Right. And you know, and but man, at some point when that some point the evidence is just going to be built up in so many different ways yeah that the evidence of life was first gonna, is really going to become apparent in the next few decades as well next couple of decades if not the next couple of years it's so exciting and that's going to radically change our views of our place in the universe mm. now we're going to throw a third third widget into that all right artificial intelligence mm. where we started this whole thing all right where artificial intelligence is also likely to reach consciousness mm. right about the same time that these other two things happen so within the next 20 30 years we're going to be a space-faring species for the first time in large numbers we're going to find life on other worlds and and our own creation artificial intelligence could very likely become its own life form forever changing what we even think of as life mm. and those three events together are all going to be happening at right about the same time That's and crazy. it's going to change our species so much that I like to call this event the Nexus. Mm. And it's a perfect storm of coming events that I think will prove to be even an even greater change than when our, or at least of greater of a change is when our distant hominid ancestors came down out of the trees. It's a wild time. Yeah. And to think about the the order of those things happening and how many different scenarios could happen if one comes before the other or if one is too delayed my mind was just running through all the different you know sci-fi scenarios of how does this form into our next step when the nexus occurs right right yeah and it's incredible you know, it's almost impossible to tell how things will wind up at the end of this and at the other side of this, you know, even in a few decades. Mm. And it's within the lifetime of many people listening to this show. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a very exciting <laughs> next few decades, to say the least. We will not Absolutely. be bored, that is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh james this has been uh an incredible talk i i, I want to close us out here just mm. because this is a this is a great listenable podcast i would love to have you on uh, another time if oh, you're, if you're to welcome to that would be great uh, i'd love to dive into maybe even more of the future right i think we did a great yeah. job laying down the groundwork um one of the things that i'm very excited about in the near future is is manufacturing in space it's it's yes. the, it's the bet i'm making on my career and the position i'm putting mm -hmm. myself into where you know like you were saying the first stage rocket if we're able to build things in space all the limits that we have with what we create to travel the void and to other planets it it changes that whole perspective and the materials we would use the requirements of the mission i mean everything opens up uh from what was once restricted um what what are you looking forward to with ai and and 3d environments you know simulation environments for preparing us for you know i'd say probably the next 10 20 years Hmm. There's just so much out there. I mean, we can, I think one of the most important things we can do with AI and with these three environments is to imagine possible other futures. Hmm. All right. Um, and that was a, you know, that used to be the prerogative of science fiction. Yeah. Solely, you know, we could look at our Star, you know, we could watch Star Trek and imagine, you know, a time when, you know, Dr. Just, you know, goes <laughs> this little device and isn't, you know, poking and prodding us with needles for, for <laughs> 20 minutes, you know? Yep. Um, so I think that we really have, but now we can use uh, 3D environments and metaverses hmm. to imagine different ways of doing things, different systems we could design and build hmm. and different ways of building them. Uh, you know, uh, let's, you know, think of, you know, some ways that we could use quick 3D printers on the moon. Yeah. And build a whole mess of habitations before mm -hmm. anyone ever steps foot. Right. And prepare. Like, there's so much time in between. And I think this is a challenge of the space program in the last 10, 20 years. NASA by itself is so limited by the whim of the presidencies and the mm -hmm. political uh, changes it's used as a political football often. So I think we find ourselves with a great opportunity where the private sector is getting involved, much like the early days of the plane and, and yes. so many other technologies, we have that backup plan that we never had before. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it makes that way more possible than it ever did before. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It makes it more resilient. To, right. <laughs> to what and happens and more flexible online. you know and just, flexible yeah very true yeah yeah just, and i think it's vitally important that we have both you know these grandiose um missions yeah of of nasa and the and esa and jackson israel and all the nations mm -hmm. you know who are you know sending out probes to pluto and yeah and jupiter and you know Mm -hmm. um but we also need to have um access for regular people to be able to you know yeah journey up uh you know journey up through the atmosphere and come back and tell all the people 
my God, this is a beautiful blue marble down here. And yeah. we're all wonderful. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I think it's, I think it's one of the most important things that we can really do as a species. I couldn't agree more. Uh, James, thank you for coming on. Do you have any last words for the folks? Uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast that uh, fit into that everyone category in the respect that they don't work in STEM at the moment or they're working at getting to their job that they'd love to be in um, or they just never thought that science could be something they could get into. Uh, what what last words do you have for those folks? Science needs everyone. I mean, we all, you know, everyone in science has different skills, different backgrounds, different weaknesses. Um, and you don't have to be a math whiz to work in astronomy. Yeah. You, you know, don't need to know, uh, oh, you don't need to, need to know the latest coding language to help develop. Right. things right. um and astronomy especially is known for having uh, a lot of um a lot of amateurs contributing real world science yeah to it and uh and citizen science is a great thing you know if someone's working at a daytime job but you know still feels like throwing you know looking through a few uh you know frames of you know, plant growth and seeing if, mm. you know, and helping scientists track down uh, the effects of climate change, let's say. Mm. It's a great thing to do. Yeah. It is. And science needs you. Science needs communicators. Science needs people with a good eye. They, you know, yeah. science needs everyone. And, um, and if you want to do science, I just find something you love, mm. and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and there's quite often a way of some doing something really constructive. It's just, I, there's nothing I would rather do with my life than, than to do science and bring it to others. <laughs> You're an inspiration, James. I, I have enjoyed talking to you tremendously today. Thank you so Thanks much for so coming much, on. Alex. It was, it was really wonderful talking with you. Oh. Until next time, everybody, spread love and spread science. Be well, live long and prosper. And we'll see you on the next episode of Today in Space. Thanks. L L O P.